Um, it's my pleasure to introduce Marisha. Uh, Marisha is a dear friend who is a missionary to Texas, to the United States, to Austin, from Germany. So we never want to take that for granted. We always want to honor you and thank you for the commitment and the sacrifice that you have undertaken and undertake daily. It's not a one-time thing, I know. Um, and so we honor you this morning. We are excited to hear from you. Um, I've, Amy and I have often said that if any pastor in the city were to come to us and say, what can we do to bring revival to our church? I would say, invite Marisha to come preach. <laughs> and we have told a few of them this when they brought that type of topic to us. So we really strongly believe in your calling, your apostolic gifting, uh, your prophetic gifting, your gift of teaching, and also the fact that there's a community, a worldwide community, dedicated to repentance, to the cross, and to the Holy Spirit that you represent and embody that's behind you. So we welcome you, Marisha. Come, bring the word of the Lord to us this morning. got connected through a dog, <laughs> Craigslist, <laughs> and uh, never would have guessed that it would lead to such a deep and enriching friendship, and we're so, so, so grateful for all of you, and we often also speak a lot about you, we pray for you, and a lot of times we speak about it and say how thankful we are and how much it means to us to come as foreigners to another nation and to get to meet like-minded, like-hearted people and we really feel that you guys are a safe place and we love you so much. We're so thankful for you standing with us. That's something that I've really seen you, Amy and Thomas and the whole community do right from the beginning when we came. You really not just said, okay, we're supporting you like from afar, go and we cheer you on, but you really stood with us right from the beginning and I know so many of you have been praying for us and helping us in so many different ways and we're extremely grateful for that. It really means the world, especially when you're in another nation, it really means the world. And also we're very excited to what God has for the future and how we can continue to walk forward and enrich us with our giftings and the different facets of God that we carry and really further his kingdom yeah. here in this area. So we very, very much appreciate you and honor you and your calling and who you are because you carry so many gifts and treasures and riches of God that are really, really important, I feel, for this time and also really important for this area, for Texas, for America. That's something that we almost always pray, almost always pray when we pray for you, that the richness, the vastness, the depth of the revelation that you carry and the things that God has deposited into your community and into your hearts, that it gets out. <laughs> because I really believe what you carry and what you have that the people need it. Of course, people that are not yet believers, but also especially the body of Christ here. So, yeah, we love you guys very much. And I'm very grateful to be here anytime we come. It's like a breath of fresh air and such a gift to our hearts. And um, before I go on, Maddie, I would like to ask you to share about the outreach children. Yeah. Yeah, after we're done here at 4 o'clock, we're going to go to downtown Bastrop. They're having a celebration today, and there's many people there, and we really have it on our hearts to share the gospel and also to pray for people. So you're very welcome to join us. And if you have questions about it, you can find me or Angie anytime throughout the day. I don't think that we'll mention it again before we leave. So just if you'd like to come, then do that. And also... Um, if you'd like to join another time, you're interested in outreach or evangelizing, then please talk to us. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We would love to go together. Yes. <laughs> yes. Maybe just also to quickly introduce these other wonderful people that have come with me. So there in the back, that's Priscilla. Priscilla is a film student at UT Austin, and she's doing an internship with us right now. Then here's Preston, a friend of us from Austin. Walter, he actually came um, to a drug rehab a few years ago in Germany, went through the rehab, has now been on staff with the drug rehab for five years and now enriches our team here for the next three months. 
We had to travel over the Dominican Republic because, as you might know, it's still not possible to enter America from Germany. So he spent 18 days in the Dominican Republic before he was able to enter. Maddie is originally from Midland, and she has um, been a part of our community for the last two years or so. Started with doing our school, and she's, she lives with us. Great treasure. And then Angie, who has also been here now already for four years. Yes, just in case you didn't know them. <laughs> Yeah, I would like to um, speak today a little bit about the topic of living in the light. And I don't know what you think of or what comes to your mind when you hear that. Maybe sounds a little scary to some people because living in the light, okay, that means like no secrets at all and everyone sees everything about me. I don't know what you think about it when you hear that. I don't know how much teaching you have already received on that or how familiar you are with that. Um, but to me, when I think of living with Jesus and when I also think of community life, living in the light for me is one of the greatest treasures, one of the greatest gifts and one of the most important tools that we really, without it, we cannot do community life. It's, it's just not possible. I would doubt that we can really live with God on our own without doing that, but especially together as a body of Christ, if we don't learn about this, if we don't practice it, if we don't embrace it, then it will be very, very difficult. And so I want to share about that today. And first, I would like to just share a little bit with you about my experience growing up in community. Because I'm not talking out of theory. I've lived in community for actually all my life, almost all my life. I lived in another city for three years when I was studying in university, so I was gone. But um, I grew up in community, so it was never my choice. Now it is. <laughs> but back then, I didn't have my choice. I was born into it, as maybe some of you, John Patrick or others, kind of your parents make the choice for you. Uh, now looking back, I can say, even growing up in it as a child, I don't know, I could not think of any better way to be raised. Could not think of any better way to grow up. I'm extremely thankful for it. I see it as one of the greatest blessings that God has deposited into my life from an early age on. And so just practically to share a little bit with you what it looked like that you kind of get a picture. Um, my dad, he also came to our community a long, long time ago, long before I was born and before he met my mom as a drug addict. He was completely a hopeless case. He went through several other rehabs in Germany, Christian rehabs also, but always relapsed and nothing really worked. Then at some point he came to our rehab. Walter also went through, through it and has been on staff. And so completely, complete transformation took place. God 100% delivered him from drugs. 100% delivered him from all demonic depression, from all ties to the kingdom of darkness. He got born again, delivered, and has been walking in his calling ever since then. He never ever relapsed into drugs and really has been following Jesus with his whole life. And so um, that's his background. My mom has a very different background. And I grew up in a big house. I would say it's even bigger than this, even though this is already really big. <laughs> a very big house, especially for German sizes, um, right in the midst of our town. And my parents were leading that house. My mom, she was leading the whole um, children and youth ministry at that time. And so it was a big house with several stories. And my parents were leading the house. We grew up in a separate apartment within the community house. And so from a very young age, and I always lived together with around 20 other people. So it was never just my family and me. I have two, two siblings also, but it was always all kinds of other people from different backgrounds, different denominations, different nations, different ages, and yeah, very different personalities, of course, too, as you can imagine. <laughs> Which there's no better way to be shaped and, you know, iron sharpens iron. Um, and so we lived together, we took people in that were kind of more stable in their work with God, that maybe worked as a teacher, a nurse or whatever. And then also people who had just finished their drug rehab or who had just gotten off the streets, people who were very broken and who really needed basic discipleship and family. And so I'm extremely thankful because, first of all, I never got bored. <laughs> there was always someone to play with, there was always people to do something with, and it was just so much fun. It's so much more fun to live with a lot of people than just with your own family. <laughs> and you learn a lot, you learn a lot about different, like I said, personalities, different people. You learn that it's not just about you, but you also learn that you have a lot to give that other people need. Um, and also, what I'm the most thankful for, I would say, 
is that I got to see the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, changing and transforming lives from a very young age on. It's nothing that I could have chosen. It's just because of the way that I grew up. But those people came to us, and a lot of them, even though maybe they were already Christians, were not really free or, you know, maybe not really working in their calling or, I don't know, for whatever reason. God always has more for us, amen? <laughs> always has more for us, more freedom, more life. And so I really got to witness from, yeah, from a very young age on how people came and they were a certain way and just through living together, just through doing life together, just through loving them, eating together, hanging out together, spending time together, of course also teaching and all these different things, leading them into the presence of God, how they became a completely different person. I've really witnessed that and so I'm living proof that community life works. And that the Holy Spirit transforms people in this context. And I believe it's the most effective context. I believe it's the most effective way to make disciples. The way that Jesus chose. He didn't call people into a school or into a ministry. He called people to himself to do life with them. He actually didn't choose the masses. He chose just 12. He chose people that we would never have chosen probably. Mm -hmm. If I would have chosen people that I think I could change the world with, I would have gone to different places than Jesus and chosen different people, I guess. And um, they really did change the world because they walked with Jesus and Jesus shared his life with them. So, yeah, I could share many more <laughs> memories and experiences, funny things, also some weird things that happens in community life too. <laughs> but just a lot of awesome things that happened in community life and how I saw Jesus move. And maybe I will mention one or the other thing um, throughout my message. Yes. And also maybe one amazing thing that I really love to see is how people not just got changed and somehow became a little more holy or a little more free, but how they actually received their calling. And I loved what Walter said the other day. Someone asked him, so what's your vision? Like, what do you want to see? Like, what's on your heart? And he said, I want to see that every um, drug addict becomes a missionary. Yes. And I believe it's 100% possible with God. And I've seen that with so many people. They came completely lost, completely addicted, completely forgotten case. Nobody would invest in them anymore at that point. And they didn't just become free and discover their identity, but they also stepped into their calling. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, most of our leaders, most of our best missionaries in the nations are former drug addicts. Yes. And I'm so amazed by that. Jesus can turn everything around. Yes. And I really also believe that in community life, it's so important that we have the broken, that we have the outcast, that we have the, the lost among yes. us. I believe if we're only among ourselves and with other Christians and it's all about getting more holy and encouraging each other even more and even more and even more, but we never actually, there's never this outflow and we don't also have this um, fresh life of people who just get to know Jesus and who just get plucked out of darkness. It can become very religious quickly. Mm -hmm. So I really, really um, believe that's something that God also wants to do even more in you. I know that's your heart. And I believe he wants to bring you even more of those people that maybe you wouldn't choose. <laughs> maybe you wouldn't expect. But that will enrich your community so much. That will enrich you so much. And there's actually no greater honor and no greater privilege than to make disciples. Yes. And so I really believe community life, for that reason, to make disciples is, is a weapon. So I just bless you with that because I believe God really wants to bring more of those people to you um, because you have so much to give to them. Yes. Um, as I share about the topic of uh, living in the light, also especially in the context of community, I want to recommend very strongly this book. Maybe some of you know it. Have, you, have anyone read it? Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, my fellow German. <laughs> So this is an amazing book and it's so deep. It's not a book that you can read just once and then put it away. At least I couldn't do it. It's like so filled with revelation and truth because you really lift it. I don't know if you know that, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer was the one who founded the first German community in the war, in the wartime. So a very, very good book, I can very much recommend. And yeah, this is also a very good book, but unfortunately it's only available in German. So <laughs> maybe someone has wants to believe for the translation. It's a very good book. It's called Ambassadors of the Kingdom, our supernatural, um, or how, how we do deal supernaturally with sin training for living in the light. Mm -hmm. It's very, very good. Yes. Okay. Um, first, I would like to share a little bit about 
Jesus our deliverer. Because when we talk about living in the light, it's not just about, okay, that's now something that we got to do and something that we got to practice and something we got to become better in because the Bible says so <laughs> or because someone told us or whatever. But it's actually everything in our life as Christians starts and revolves and ends with Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so if we know Jesus as the one who delivers and who leads us into all freedom, all freedom in every area of our lives, in every area of our hearts, in every area of our mind, complete freedom for our entire being, then we get to know him as our, as our deliverer, as the one who brings freedom. It's a very strong facet of who Jesus is and how we get to know him, also in the Bible and the New Testament. And if we walk with him that way and experience him that way, yield to him that way, then there's actually no other way than to live in the light. Because we know that Jesus is good and we know that whatever he brings up in our own life as dark and as ugly as it may be, he is the deliverer. And I know him and I know that he only brings those things up because he has freedom for me and freedom in abundance. And yeah, I do it for him. I don't do it because I'm told to do it or because I have to do it, but because I know Jesus as my deliverer. Yeah. And so Jesus, he really, I would maybe speak about some things that seem very foundational to some of you today. I know also that a lot of you have been working with God for such a long time, but I really believe that especially in this time that we live in and that we're approaching, we have to come back to the basics. Yes. We have to come back to the simplicity of the gospel. Yes. If we're busy here with this and that and this and that, but we're actually not busy and not seeing the power of the cross manifesting in and through our lives, I think something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I, for myself, believe that very strongly and also believe that for the church, in general and so just open your heart and receive whatever God wants to speak to you it might be very different what he wants to speak to individual people so Jesus came to lead us into true freedom and he actually didn't just lead us into freedom but Jesus himself is the door to complete freedom yes. Jesus himself as a person he is the deliverer he is the door into living in complete and full freedom that has been purchased for you at the cross there's nothing you have to do for it. There's nothing you could do to earn it. There's nothing you could ever do to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. This is what was accomplished, what will always stand. And it's your decision whether you embrace it and whether you receive it and receive him that way or not. So this freedom of Jesus, this freedom that Jesus brings and that he exemplifies as a person, it's not a theoretical or abstract idea, which is, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, I believe, of course, Jesus leads us into freedom and, yeah, the cross and freedom and everything was purchased and maybe I have one or two testimonies of that. But it's not about that. It's not an abstract idea that I somehow agree with, yes or no, but it's a power that transforms us from the inside. And this power is the person of the Holy Spirit. Yes. No one else can do that. But it's the job, and he excels in that, of the Holy Spirit to come and to lead you into the full measure of freedom that was purchased for you personally on the cross. You believe that? Yes. yes. I believe that too. So this power, once we're born again and once we have received the Holy Spirit, this power is also not something that somehow is outside of us, but it's alive inside of us and it transforms us from the inside out and it's accessible at any time which is amazing yes. we don't have to first clean up our lives and you know figure out everything that's wrong with us or whatever if we're born again if we have the holy spirit his power to cleanse his power to convict his power to deliver and to lead us into freedom accessible at any time and jesus freely laid down his life for us so Jesus actually was the most free person that ever walked the planet. Mm. If we look at all of history, there's no other person that I could think of and that you could think of that has been more, that was more free than Jesus. Jesus was completely free of religion. Jesus was completely free from offense. Jesus was completely free from trying to prove something, trying to show I'm the son of God or whatever. Jesus was completely free from the fear of man. He didn't have anything to lose. And someone once said, maybe you've heard it already, people really get dangerous when they have nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. I believe that. <laughs> so
So we can read that in John 10, 17 and 18. I will read it for you. John 10, 17 and 18. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. So Jesus was free, not because he just obeyed, but because he freely, freely chose to lay his life down for us. He had a choice and he freely, out of love, chose to lay his life down so that we can live in freedom, so that we can know life. I will never get over that. That is just so amazing. And the amazing thing is that was Jesus' reality and he's inviting us into the same kind of lifestyle, to freely lay down our lives so that we can live in freedom and bring freedom to others. Because also when we speak about community life, community is never just for the sake of community. You know, <laughs> I would be far away from saying community always has to be a tool or a means in reaching something. I would never say that because I don't believe that at all. But if we in our communities, and I include ourselves, we are community too, everyone, if we just circle around ourselves and there's no rivers of life flowing out of us, I doubt that's God's idea of community. Yeah. If we look at the biblical pattern, if we look at the New Testament and Acts, how they lived. They lived radical community, much more radical than we live it. They shared everything they had. They lived together. They had everyday meals together with glad hearts they ate together. But that wasn't, that wasn't everything. Out of that place of true unity, they went out every single day. And every single day, we're not there yet either, but I want to get there. Every single day, people were added to them. Yeah. And the power of God manifested as they went out because... They have experienced Jesus, seen Jesus, and they were walking in freedom. So, yes, wherever Jesus went, rivers of life were flowing from him. Words of life, actions of life. And we see that all throughout the New Testament. A lot of times Jesus didn't even have to say something. Sometimes he maybe just said one word or one sentence. I'm so amazed that a lot of times he didn't, he never actually really preached to the people, but maybe he just had one word of knowledge to the woman at the well, or... I don't know, he just did some weird seemingly kind of action and people were delivered. It's amazing to look at that. We often complicate it and we think we always first have to preach and this and that have our methods. Jesus did it very differently. And um, we're called to live the same way. We're called to wherever we go that rivers of life, actions of life, words of life flow from us and that through our lives, through our communities, people Individual people, people groups, and even whole nations are being set free. Yeah. Do you believe that? Yeah. yeah. I really believe that. And if we don't live in freedom, and if we don't walk in this life, and these, we don't let these rivers of life that are inside of us flowing out of us, then what do we have to give to the world? We actually just have ourselves to give. Maybe our own experience, maybe even our own testimony here or there, but there's something else that Jesus wants to bring to the people through us. It's his freedom, it's his power, it's his truth. And so whether we choose freedom and life or not, it doesn't just have to do with us. Actually, it has to do with the people around us and everyone else around us will be impacted by our choices. Mm -hmm. And we all get to make choices even if we don't say it. You know, I think no one of us would say, I choose not to live in freedom. <laughs> we would be stupid if we say that. But a lot of times with our actions and with how we live, we live a different way. We maybe confess one thing with our mouth, but we live a different way with our word, with our, with our lifestyle. And so it's very important to understand that when it comes to living in freedom and living in the light, it's not just about you. It's not just about me. But actually all people around you and literally this world is affected by that. It's affected by how we choose to live. It's affected by how we choose to deal with sin. It's affected by how we embrace and what we do with truth once it enters our life. So it's an amazing and mind-blowing mandate and 
huge privilege to walk in freedom and to live in the light, and it's also a really urgent responsibility. And when I say that, I'm not, I don't mean at all like, you're not making it, you don't get it, you need to get there, you don't understand, or whatever. Because that's always the voice of religion, it's always the voice of the accuser, Caroline talked about that. But it's an invitation from Jesus into fullness of life, fullness of freedom. And I believe that especially here in Texas, it's so important that people really see Christians who live in freedom. I have not been to any other place around the world where I would think it's more important than here. Because there are so many people who say they're Christians, and I would never say they're not Christians, but it's pretty obvious they don't really live in freedom. It's pretty obvious they don't really know Jesus. It's pretty obvious they have not really, for whatever reason, maybe not, there wasn't any clear teaching or whatever, but there hasn't really been a real revelation of the cross. And there's a lot of religion, but little life and I believe there would be nothing as revolutionary and powerful if Christians here in Texas in the United States in general but also now we're speaking about Texas because we're here and it's in the Bible Belt when we really live in the freedom that Jesus has purchased for us not just with our words but with our whole life and we experience that also when we go out on the streets when we talk with people People, there's nothing else that people are more fed up with than religion. Like, they know everything. They Even when we go to the streets, the homeless or whatever, they will start preaching to us. They know more Bible verses by heart than me. You know, of course I'm no Christian, of course I'm not again or whatever. But if people see and get confronted with that there's actual power and there's actual freedom, you live in freedom, you don't just say something, they can't offend you. They can't hurt you, they can't make you mad or whatever. It blows their mind and it opens their hearts. So I believe especially for this part of the world, it's so, so, so important that we live as Christians free of religion, free of offense, free of pretense, free to lay down our lives for our king and for others. Real freedom, not the freedom that the world has to offer. And I was, on Monday we had a prayer time for Texas um, Monday or Tuesday, Tuesday, I don't remember, Tuesday, I think, we gathered in the morning in our life house and we just prayed for the state and for the country. And I really felt that God was speaking to me, and maybe it's just a personal revelation, but I wanted to share it with you. Um, because I've always been wondering, like, I've been here now for five and a half years, and I've always been wondering already before I came here, how can it be that Americans and Texans in particular, because I live here, we're all I just include myself now to the Texas population. <laughs> so that we here in Texas, that, that the Texans are so bold, are so confident, come across very confident, you know, especially to Germans, also Europeans and Asians in general. So like, here I am and I'm ready to fight and let's go and let's get it and let's do it and we can do it. And, and all that, how they're so bold and confident, but there's so much fear. Like, coming from the outside, I was so shocked that there's so much fear, especially also among the Christians, and often even like fear that doesn't make any sense. Like, it, it's not yeah. even, we cannot really grasp it. So much fear, and I was just thinking about it, kind of trying to explain it to myself in the natural or whatever. Just always never being able to wrap my mind around it seems like so like a contradiction. I remember praying on Tuesday, I really felt that the Holy Spirit maybe showed me a part and he spoke to me, Marisha, if you only know and only have a version of freedom that you have to defend, mm-hmm. you will always be afraid. Yeah, because it can always be taken from you. Wow. Yes. Can you say that again? Yes, please. Yeah, if you only know or have a version of freedom that can be taken from you, you will always live in fear because it can be taken from you. (laughs) And you have to protect it. You have to fight for it yourself. And Americans are really good in that. America, land of the free, home of the brave, you know. And I believe there's truth in that. I believe it's a calling and a destiny of God on this nation that you do live in freedom and lead others into freedom. I believe it's a vital part of your destiny as Americans. And this is why the enemy really perverts it. 
and yeah. especially here I mean people are have so many guns and, and so many things mm -hmm. trying to protect themselves and so strong and people come to our churches and shoot us we're gonna shoot them and, and all this stuff <laughs> but but is it real freedom it's, it's not real freedom yeah. It's not real freedom because real freedom can't be taken from you good, and right? real freedom you can't protect, yeah. you can't right. defend. Real freedom lays, lies in laying down your life, yeah. being free to lay down your life. Yeah. When you freely lay down your life, no one can take it from you. Yeah. That's why Jesus was the freest man on earth, <laughs> because he did that and he would have been the person that would have had the most rights and everyone would have understood if he would have insisted on his privileges. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yes. So, Jesus wants us to be free and to live free. And also, in Isaiah 61, you don't have to go there, but I just want to read some verses. Um, God says very clearly what our calling as believers, as our calling as disciples here on earth, is to be the anointing of Jesus. That's what Jesus did too when he walked the earth. He has placed the Spirit upon us, He has anointed us to preach the tidings to the poor. He has sent us to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives, and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. So we're called to release prisoners. Amen? <laughs> we're called to bring freedom to people. That's what Jesus was about. When Jesus walked the earth, he healed people everywhere he went, and he also delivered people everywhere he went. And actually in the Bible it says clearly also that, that, God said, that Jesus said, when you see the demons being cast out, when you see the devil being cast out, that's when the kingdom of God has come here. Um, so freedom and liberty, freeing people, leading people into real freedom, was a main ministry of Jesus. And it was the hardest with the Pharisees was the hardest with the religious <laughs> because they believe we already have it we already know it we don't really need it but that's why jesus came his whole ministry his whole life was marked through and through with delivering people delivering them from death and hell from false images of themselves and god from a religious lifestyle self-righteousness from any kind of oppression and torment from disease and demons and we have been given the same spirit we have the same mandate, but we need to be free ourselves. Yeah. Because we can only pass on what we have. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I want to speak a little bit, like kind of after I introduced Jesus as the mighty deliverer and our calling to bring freedom to this world, to the state, to our people. Um, I want to share just a little bit about the cross. Because the cross is the place where Jesus very practically laid down his life, where it became evident for everyone, and where real freedom, real wholeness, full healing, mm -hmm. everything that we ever could need for being successful in this life with Jesus was provided for. Mm -hmm. So in order to live in the light and to live worthy of our calling as children of life, we have to know what happened at the cross. Yeah. Maybe we can start with the slides. Yes. So at the cross, the first thing that happened was all evil, any kind of evil, all power that the evil has over us, and also ultimately the evil one was completely defeated. Yeah. Not just a little bit, not just for some years, but forever and ever completely defeated. At the cross, sin, sickness, death, and devil were completely deprived of power. At the cross, we died to this world with Christ so that we could rise to a new life in him. At the cross, Jesus was made sin. He didn't just took our sin upon him. He himself became sin, became the offering of sin so that we would become God's righteousness in Jesus Christ. At the cross, everything that we could never, ever have accomplished, even if we would be the best people, I would work so hard, everything that we could never have accomplished was accomplished. Amen. And at the cross, we find healing and restoration, 
completely and entirely for individuals and even for whole nations. Yes. You believe those things? Yes. 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 That's good. I'm glad. So this is very, very important when dealing with sin, that we know what happened at the cross, because that's the center and the foundation for living in the light and living community. Mm-hmm. And then also, yeah, like I said, when dealing with sin or with evil, we have to deeply know the cross. So let's take one more look at what the cross is. We just looked at what happened at the cross. What is the cross now, today, for you, for me, for our communities? First of all, the cross is the disposal place. Um, forgive me if my English sometimes is maybe not 100% right. I try to, you know, maybe a native speaker would word it a little differently. I hope you understand everything that I wrote. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the cross is the disposal place for all sin and the place of death for our old man. Amen. Amen. The cross is the place of judgment where a righteous judgment was carried out. So we don't have to we don't have to judge sin anymore. We don't have to look, okay, what does this deserve? What is this person now? What do they deserve and whatever? Because Jesus has come into this place as the judge, as the one who's taking it all on him, and he spoke and acted out the judgment for sin. Mm. The cross also is the place of exchange. We don't just come and get rid of all our stuff, but we actually receive in exchange. So we get rid of all burdens, all sin, all shame, all worries and failures, anger, accusations, and all torment. And we receive in exchange righteousness, purity, freedom, peace, salvation, and life. It's amazing. Also the cross is the place of transition where we go from darkness into light, out of lostness into glory. Amen. And the place, uh, the cross, is a place of reconciliation where we can become right with God and with our brothers and sisters. It's possible at any given time. No matter what someone did against you, no matter how much they hurt you, no matter how much they offended you, because of the cross and because Jesus has become the offering for sin, we can always be made right and we can always come back to the state of truly loving one another. The cross also is the place of healing, again, not just for every person, but also for every nation. Mm -hmm. And it's the place of greatest triumph. So this is really important, that we know Jesus is our deliverer, that we know him personally, and that we know what happened at the cross because otherwise we will deal, the only way how we can deal with sin is the human way. And we will never really walk in freedom then. I mean, we can see it even with worldly psychologists and all this kind of help. I'm a social worker myself. I totally believe in helping people. I totally believe also that counseling and all that can be very helpful. That's what I did when I lived in Germany. I learned a lot about that. But I also know that these things can never really lead you into true freedom. Because only Jesus can. Only Jesus can. And he can do it in a moment. One moment, all it needs is your heart and your faith. Yes. Maybe one more thing about um, offense, quickly, before I go on and speak a little more about what living in the light practically looks like. I want to say something about offense because Amy told me last time when I met with her, I should mention it. <laughs> because um, it's not really like something that I'm teaching now, but it's something where that, rather where I say I really don't understand it. So I know in America it's very strong this um, fear to offend. Or like you very quickly maybe feel offended by people. I'm not saying you now, I'm just saying in general Americans. You can say yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was one of the biggest um, shocks that for me when I came here, because I didn't even understand the concept of offense, and I still don't, I have to say, I really don't. I mean, I kind of, kind of can understand it when I hear it, but I still don't grasp it. I still don't understand it, and it's, it's also a language thing. We in Germany, we don't even have the word offense. We don't even use it. I've never one time heard someone in Germany say, I'm offended at you, <laughs> or I'm afraid to offend you, or whatever. Of course, the word exists because, you know, it's in the Bible, in context of the last days, that 
Um, many would be offended at Jesus, so we do have the word in German, but I've never heard anyone use that word, but in my whole lifetime. And so, of course, sometimes people are um, maybe hurt by what I would say to them or how I would respond to them, and they would think, ah, it's really not nice or whatever. But what we do in Germany, is we mostly just sit down, talk about it, get rid of it, and then we go on. <laughs> so this whole concept of like, okay, I'm offended at you, and maybe I would just figure out that you're offended at me like some months later, and I don't really know, and you won't even tell me, or whatever. I just really don't know that. And I think it's something... <laughs> And I think it's something that really, um, that's, that's really blocking you if you, if you hold on yes. to that concept of offense and that right to be offended. We don't have a right to be offended. And it completely blocks us extending forgiveness, living in the light and loving Jesus and loving people. So I do think um, that's something you just need to get rid of. <laughs> yeah. The same way that we Germans need to get rid of our obsession with negativity and complaining, and you should come over and teach us about that. <laughs> very good in that. Very good and encouraging and speaking about the positive and the good things. Yeah. Okay, so um, knowing about the cross and what happened at the cross is extremely important because repentance or confession and faith always go together yes. always go together and that's actually a, um, a wrong belief that many christians have that we believe or some believe through the act through the action of confessing something and repenting i um i um i receive victory and and i'm forgiven and whatever but it's actually not true it's actually not true i receive that through faith i receive that through believing in what Jesus has done for me. I receive that by looking at the cross, turning away from sin, naming sin as clearly as possible, and then looking at Jesus, my deliverer, looking at the cross and what he did for me, and applying it and believing it by faith, even if I don't feel it right away in that moment. That's where the change happens. It does not just happen through our words. Yeah. It's very important to understand. I would say maybe like, in becoming free and gaining victory over things. 20% maybe is repentance, 80% is faith. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times we're not even really ready yet. A lot of times people would say, you know, I have this urgency, I really want to get rid of something, I really want to step into freedom here. But they don't really have faith yet. They don't really believe yet what actually happened at the cross. So sometimes it's more important than to wait and to really speak the word to them so that faith can be built up and they can come to this moment that when they repent and when they confess, they will believe and step into freedom. Amen. Yes. Okay. Power of confession. <laughs> Are you ready? Okay. We're going to speak a little bit about that because these were kind of the foundations, the basics. What does it mean practically or why is it so important to live in the life? Okay, so first of all, the good news is, as we have seen, looking at the cross and what happened, that we have been delivered, have been, past tense, it already happened, we have been delivered and redeemed from dealing with sin and offenses in a human way. And as good as our human efforts might, see, might seem and might look, they will always lead to death. They can never produce life. So as Christians, we have the huge privilege to deal with sin in a supernatural way. And it's very important, especially also with new believers, that we teach them about the kingdom of God, because in the kingdom of God, there's a completely different way to deal with sin, to look at the world, to look at yourself, to talk, to act. You get a completely new worldview. And one of those things that you learn as a citizen of the kingdom of God is how to deal in a supernatural way with sin, with guilt, and with shame. And so in the kingdom of God, we can deal with it completely different in both places, as the victim and as the offender. Both places. The blood of Jesus and the cross of Jesus reaches to both places, to both yes. roles. And let's read together. Maybe you can open your Bibles to 1 John 5 to 10. Oh, 1 John 1, 5 to 10. We're not going to read five chapters. <laughs> <laughs> First John 1 to 10. Whoever has it can, can read it. 
and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, and all, that all through him might believe. Oh, uh -oh I'm the wrong one, I'm sorry. No problem. <laughs> No this is the message we have heard from him and declared. That was also good. <laughs> <laughs> there was light in it. Yes. Go ahead. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. No, that's good. Thank you. So what we read in here is that living in the light, confessing our sin and living in the light is the key to having fellowship with one another, right? Mm -hmm. It says very clearly, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So if we live in the light, we actually don't have to run over, run behind, run um, after fellowship and trying, you need to have good fellowship and all that. If we live in the light, that would be a natural byproduct, that we will have real spiritual unity and true fellowship of the brethren through the cross, through the blood of Jesus, not person on person, which is very dangerous, not soul on soul, which can be very poisonous and very destructive, but through the cross of Jesus. And so confession is a great gift from God. It's an offer of divine help for the sinner. And also confession is an expressed love for the crucified Christ. When I confess my sins and when I walk in the light, I express with my whole being, Jesus, I honor what you did on the cross and I love you. I love you as the one who gave his life. I love you as the one who was obedient unto death and who took all my sin, who took all my shame. Yes, so um, fellowship with Jesus and also with one another happens a lot through this lifestyle of living in the light and confessing our sins. And I think that's something we have to rediscover in our day and age, because <laughs> yeah. I don't hear much teaching about it. And it's actually such a big and wide topic, you could teach about that for a week or two. Um, and I really think it's so important because it's such a beauty, it's such a treasure, it's such a key, and it's such a weapon also to really make the enemy flee because he has no right and he has no place in us if we live in the light the dark one and his whole kingdom of darkness have to flee but we have to rediscover it in our in our time i yes. think in many right. ways so it is very central to the gospel and luther another fellow german said therefore when i admonish you to confession i am admonishing you to be a christian again therefore when i admonish you to confession i am admonishing you to be a Christian. So I have a few points, just quickly go through them, what happens through confession and what's the result when we do it. Can I ask you a question? Yes, of course. Um, so we're a Protestant and Catholic community. Mm -hmm. So some of the, I'm gonna over-characterize here. Some of the Protestants might be thinking confession, that's me in the privacy of my own heart, directly to God. Mm -hmm. And then some of the Catholics might be thinking confession, that's a sacrament. I go to the priest for confession, so it's a public mm -hmm. act. When you say confession here, are you talking about one or the other or both or something different? Can you just say a little bit about the practical? Is this directly to God? Is this in the context of talking to each other? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yes, so when we, before we hit these points, I want yes. to make sure we have the picture of what yes. you're saying. Yes, yes. Um, so what I'm talking about um, is living in the light with one another and confess confessing our sins to one another. Because it is only through my brother or through my sister that I actually get the certainty that Jesus really forgives. Um, that's also, you can read a lot about that in Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book. It's really good if you want to dive deeper into that. He speaks about that, what confessing looks like in the context of community. Um, and he said that, I wrote it down. Who can give us the certainty that in the confession and the forgiveness of our sins, we are not dealing with ourselves, but with the living God. God gives us the certainty through a brother. Through him, I can be made certain of the reality of God in his judgment and in his grace. Our brother breaks the circle of self-deception and I'm not alone anymore with my sin. 
power of sin is broken and I have fellowship. Because freedom can be received and experienced and it is not just me anymore who bears the sin, but actually now that I confessed it, the community bears it and extends the grace and the forgiveness of God. Very practically, I don't mean that every sin always um, should or has to be shared in any way with the whole community. <laughs> I don't mean that, so just to be clear. Um, but I absolutely believe, and I see it as something very, very biblical, that Jesus calls us to living with each other in the light and confessing our sins to one another. It's something the Bible very clearly speaks about. Yes. To one another, to your brother, to your sister. And also the Bible speaks very clearly about that we have the right as disciples, as children of Jesus, to extend forgiveness yes. to the other person, yes. not just the priest or this or this, but everyone, everyone that's a child of God. And that's an amazing thing, because actually in the Old Testament, the word forgiveness is mentioned around 40 times, but every time it's mentioned, the word forgiveness in the Old Testament, it's only always God who can extend forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So there was no way for any human in the Old Testament to be able to stand in the place of God and extend forgiveness and say your sins are forgiven. But that's what happened at the cross, that's what happened through the new covenant, that we can live that way within, with each other and that we can stand in the place of Jesus and listen to sins, forgive sins, and let's go. Release freedom of our people. I totally believe that because that's how I see it in the Bible. Awesome. <laughs> yes, that's how we have fellowship with one another. And if you just practically, if I sinned against Angelina, then I'm going to go to her and confess it to her and ask her for forgiveness. I'm not going to go to you. But maybe if I had some bad thoughts about you and you never were affected by that and you don't even know about that, I'm not going to go to her and tell her about it. <laughs> Obviously. Um, yeah, but if I sin against the whole community, I have to also confess it before the whole community. I think it's just clear or makes sense, right? Yeah. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. That's Thank really you. helpful. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. good. Yeah, so through confession, confession, we lose fear of sin. Amen. Through confession, we become free of pride because the act of confessing <laughs> is humbling myself. Through confession, we also experience deliverance from persistent, habitual sins, maybe things we've been struggling with for years and decades. The good news is that there's full freedom and it is through repentance and confession. Through confession, we can experience, like First John says, the fellowship of the saints. We also become stronger in general in dealing with guilt and sin. Our muscles get stronger. If we never do it, then we're very weak. But as we practice it and say yes to this training, it becomes stronger and stronger. Through confession, we also grow in awe and thankfulness for the forgiveness of God. Like the Bible says, whoever has been forgiven much, loves much. We also become free of insecurity and condemnation through confession. Because in confession, we confess our sins to God, through to a brother, then the voice of the accuser has no room anymore because I expel and expose the works of darkness and light comes in and darkness has to flee. Yeah. Through confession, we also grow in grace and compassion towards others. I realize I'm actually a sinner and I'm struggling with that and I'm in need of confession and repentance and forgiveness. Grace just naturally grows for others who maybe have done much worse things because I know we're all sinners mm -hmm. and we all need forgiveness. Yeah. Yes, and just like I said, through confession we also increase in love and through confession we can be real disciples of Jesus. <laughs> of course, it's really the central part of the gospel. Jesus always, always spoke that when he, when he shared the gospel, when he preached the gospel, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So repentance is the beginning and the centerpiece of the gospel and of our lives as Christians and disciples. And if I look at all these things and what comes out of repentance, the good fruit and out of confession, it's really so obvious. Well, that's a gift. I don't want to, I, I want more of it. <laughs> I want more of it because I'm growing in all these things. I become stronger in all these things. And I grow in love for Jesus and for others. Yeah, so just again, um, quickly about how the breakthrough community takes place through confession. So sin always isolates us. Obviously, if I'm alone with my sin, 
cannot really have fellowship with Angie, with Maddie, or with anyone else because I'm kind of in darkness and it's only possible to a certain extent to really truly have fellowship. Because sin always isolates people and sin always wants to remain unknown and hidden. Can anyone confirm that? Yes, yeah. that's right. I can confirm that. Sin always wants to be in the dark and it's the worst thing ever for the sin that you have in your life and for your own flesh to actually expose it. There's sometimes such a fight over it. But if we do that, if we confess our sins, then the light of the gospel, the light of the cross, the truth of the cross breaks into the darkness, the seclusion and the isolation of my heart and I become free. And like I said, it can be a real struggle sometimes depending on how much we still live in the flesh, it can be a really, 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 really big struggle and also if we're not really used to that, it can be a very strong struggle, I speak out of experience. It can be so much shame and condemnation um, connected to it, but it's always the enemy. And once we step into it and once we do it, we always, always, always experience the liberating power of Jesus, the freedom that comes in, the love that comes in, the truth that can reach me again, and the fellowship that I have with my brothers and sisters again, or at a deeper level. Yes. So once I confess my sins, I'm not alone with it, alone with it anymore. And like I said, now the fellowship bears the sin of the brother. Yeah. And self-forgiveness can never lead to a cut with sin. Sometimes we try to deceive ourselves and, you know, just forgive myself and I just need to get over it. And yes, thank you, God, for forgiving me or whatever. But actually, the only way how sin can be forgiven is by the judging and pardoning word of God. There's no other way. There's no other way. Every sin must come to light at some point, and it is better that it happens today than at the final day of judgment. <laughs> so I better get right with God. <laughs> yes. One thing that is maybe also really important to share um, is that we have to be extremely radical and clear with sin. Because repentance and confession does not happen when I say, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, Maddie. I'm so sorry if I hurt you. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for all the ways that I, I spoke negatively about you and I offended you. If I hurt you, Maddie, I'm, I'm sorry. That's not, that's not repentance. That's not confession. <laughs> How we deal with sin is we have to do it very specifically. Because Jesus died for sin and not for excuses. Amen. Amen. And the clearer we make it, the more powerfully and the quicker we experience freedom from that exact, exact same thing. Jesus in the Bible again and again, like for instance with the blind Bartholomeus, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? So before you confess, before you repent, you should know that. What do you want Jesus to do for you? What do you want him to deliver you of? What does he need you to, for, to forgive you? So a very practical clue is to make it as specific and as clear as possible. Name the sin as clearly as possible. The Bible is a very, very good guideline for that. Um, also, there are certain scriptures like, of course, one of them being the Ten Commandments and also others in the New Testament, which is a very good guideline for self-examining ourselves and with the Holy Spirit. Is there any sin in my life? something good to do. I'm not talking about condemning myself and just looking and searching for days and because there has to be something and whatever, that's not what I'm talking about. But with the Holy Spirit, taking these scriptures and letting him shine his light into my heart and bringing revelation, bringing conviction is something very, very godly. Godly sorrow, something very, very godly. Yes. So be very specific. Let's be very specific and very clear with sin. And it's also something different if I say, ah, Angie, Actually, uh, I think somehow maybe I didn't really speak the full truth to you. What should she forgive me? <laughs> you know, if I come to her and say, hey, and I, I totally lied at you the other day. <laughs> and actually, I, I realize I'm a liar. <laughs> I'm a liar and I'm in need of forgiveness. I'm in need of the cross. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And yeah, I want to just. Ask for forgiveness with my whole heart or whatever. Something completely different. Right. And you will experience that right. when you do it, there's a difference and it gets much harder 
all of a sudden, when you yeah, are challenged, not just to say, I maybe didn't really fully speak the truth, <laughs> or when you say, I'm actually a liar. <laughs> it's like really different. <laughs> but Jesus forgives sinners, and Jesus forgives sins, and so it's very important that we're specific with it. One other thing that's very important is that we're radical with it, that we cut at the root, and not just up here where the flowers bloom and blossom. And just one example of that, I had a very, an example from my dad. So my dad, I just told you, he came back then as a drug addict. He's been working with God for, I don't know, 40 years now or whatever. He has very deep relationship with God and all that. But just recently he told me that the Holy Spirit has been showing him some deeper things that he actually never saw. So for instance, one example is before he came to the drug rehab, even before, long before he knew Jesus, he was stealing things. Like he would go to a store, not, not all the time, but maybe once or twice, steal something. Maybe even as a child, just steal something small. So when he came to the drug rehab, of course, one thing that we always do with everyone is we go through a life confession. If you've never done that, you should do it. And that's something that you should do also with every new disciple, something super important. We don't just do that in our drug rehab, we also do that in our mission school. Because like I said, a lot of times people come, even though they have been Christians their whole life, many foundations and basics are not there. And in order to live in this lifestyle of continual repentance and living in the life, there has to be a foundation for it. <laughs> so, yeah, my dad went through this life confession and repentance, and God showed so many things that he can let go of and receive freedom of, and also he went and made the things right, and apologized to the shop owners and to his parents, and reconciled and all that what is basic discipleship. And so he did all these things, but now, just now recently, like 35 years later or whatever, God showed to him, actually there's a deeper root of sin, there's a deeper thing that, where I want to bring deliverance, where I want to bring freedom, and showed him that actually he didn't, just sin, he didn't just steal those things because he wanted to have something or because he didn't know better or because you know, he just didn't have enough money or whatever, but actually he did it, the root behind that, the sin behind that, even though he didn't know God, was that he didn't trust God. He didn't trust God that God would really provide for him, that God would really be good. And just now, like about 40 years later, the Holy Spirit reveals that to him and brings a deeper level of freedom, brings a deeper level of intimacy, brings a deeper level of truth. Isn't that amazing? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I really, really love that. See that in my own life too. Maybe I am aware of, okay, here I did something that was not right. And I could just go and, you know, clarify that. But a lot of times, while I do that, or while I pray about that, the Holy Spirit would actually reveal the root, mm -hmm. would reveal what it actually is about. And that's so good, because then these things can be taken out, plucked out by the root, yeah. and they're gone. <laughs> the root is not there anymore in our hearts. So make it specific, and make it radical. Go to the root, and yeah. Is that, is that helpful? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One or two more things. I will cut it very short now, because I know we're kind of running out of time. Um, yeah, one or two more things. This is something that's very important to me. Um, in the recent years, especially in the Christian world, there has come a better understanding about um, wounds, hurts, and inner healings, right? Maybe no sozo and all these kind of things. Like We have a stronger awareness now than back then that people are wounded by their childhoods, even like with trauma and all that. I wrote my bachelor thesis on trauma. I worked a lot with traumatized young people, so I know about that. I believe that it's real 100%. But wounded people are always victims. <laughs> wounded people are always victims, and sicknesses and wounds are not sins. Very important to understand. And so when we have our focus and our language mostly set on inner wounds, it actually prevents the conviction of sin. And the truth is that sin always brings death and always leads to hurts and wounds. That's just what sin does. The nature of sin is death. There will always be wounds. There will always be sickness. There will always be trauma, especially when there's, like, someone rapes me or whatever. But it's not just the sin of others. It's also my own sin. Because even if someone sins against me and does something really wrong towards me, Mostly because I don't know anything else or whatever, I react sinful too. Right. And I gotta take responsibility for it. <laughs> and not just be like, okay, these people wounded me and so I'm kind of like, cannot really do anything about it. And the, um, 
the healing conviction of my own sin against God is so important and the door to freedom. Also, of course, the reality of the flesh having to be crucified and resurrected. And if we just focus on healing, in our healing for wounds, then we miss a big, big part of God's plan and path of salvation and deliverance. And the Bible actually doesn't really mention a lot of times in our wounds and healings and trauma, but it mentions sin a lot. And so I really believe that and have experienced that with people, that when sin is taken out of the life of a person, then weakness, sickness, death, all these things have to leave too. And they are leaving. And health and vitality and healing and freedom, inwardly and outwardly, comes to people as we open up to the truths of God. Yes. I wanted to share that too. Um, one or two more things. Um, what is also really to understand is when we sin um, towards others, the actual sin or the actual really important thing to understand is we never just sin against people, but first of all, we always sin against God. So if I sin against you and do something against you, I might have a problem with you, but I really have a problem with God. <laughs> and that's very important. I cannot disconnect that and just say, you know, actually, maybe I have a little problem with you and it will go away sometime or I'm not dealing with it right now. But with God, I'm fine. <laughs> and with you, I'm fine. It's deception. <laughs> that doesn't work. So it's very important, this revelation, actually, that first and foremost, we sin against God. One more thing. Um, the standard for confession and conviction and repentance always has to be the word of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit. Both will never contradict each other. And so very important that on the other hand, the standard for confession and repentance is not cultural norms. It's not my own explanations. The standard is not my own thoughts and also not my own fears. Always the word of God. And the word of God deals with things and with sins very differently than we would. For instance, I maybe don't think that rebellion, especially hidden rebellion, is such a bad thing. But the Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. <laughs> so very different standard, very different look at it. And that's important when we, when we deal with sin in our own lives first and foremost, that we really apply the word of God and base it on the word of God and not how we would look at it or how society tells us to deal with it. Not so bad, not so big, or understandable because you don't really know anything different. Yes, okay, last thing. What is needed in order to embrace truth and to live in the light? The one thing that's needed is humility. The one thing that's needed is humility, and not just once, but again and again and again and again. I still have situations where I'm like, no, God, you don't want me to tell this. No, it's like so humbling. It's like, I feel so ashamed of that. I should be somewhere else already. And I don't know, do I really have to? Do I really have to go to him and tell him that? Can I not just call my mom and tell her? <laughs> I still have these circles, these situations. But I'm so thankful that God speaks to me that he would reveal sin that i can hear his voice it's a proof of my that i'm a daughter it's a proof that i'm a child i hear his voice he 